0: The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. That's Psalm 24, verses 1 to 2, and this is the Living the Word Bible podcast, where I talk with other women about the Bible, what we love about it, how we read and understand it, and the difference that it makes in our lives. Specifically today, the way sacred scripture calls us to care for creation— I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, General Editor of the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible and author of the book Becoming Women of the Word. Today I am talking with Lisa Hendy, who is a best-selling author, Catholic speaker. She's founder of CatholicMom.com, and I'm very glad to say also contributor of several essays to the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible. Lisa, I'm so glad to have you here. Welcome.
1: Sarah, what a treat this is, and congratulations on this beautiful gift that you have given us. It's such an honor to be a tiny little part of it and to now hold it in my hands and pray with it. Thank you.
0: (laughs) You are so welcome. And, you know, I was thinking we first connected way back in like 2004, I think it was, when you invited myself and Gail Summers. You interviewed us about a a Bible study on Genesis that we had done. And Did you ever imagine that one day we would all be contributing to a women's Bible?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. God has an amazing sense of humor about all of these things. And it's part of the reason that I love just looking over the tracing the roots of relationships like ours, because, you know, you can definitely see the hand of the Holy Spirit in our friendship and the work that we've been given to do. And now in kind of encouraging new women who are coming up behind us
0: yeah it's it's really a wonderful thing to see that and something that i've always noticed about catholicmom.com which of course you founded and have been you're still very much involved with that but you've always had a really strong scripture emphasis there was that intentional absolutely so
1: when we founded the website and i say we being me and my mother who is now gone gone to heaven for a few years but We founded it in 2000 and I was a young mom with kids in elementary school. I didn't found the website because I thought I knew what I was, you know, I wasn't (laughs) there to pontificate for other Catholic mothers. I was desperately in search of support in my own journey. And even though I'd been a lifelong Catholic and my, my family gifted me this beautiful faith, I was then handing it on to my kids on my own. My husband and I were married in the church, but he wasn't Catholic yet at the time. Mm. And so I really was digging in my own life for, you know, what it was that I believed so that I could pass it along to the boys. And from the early stages of the website, you know, it was a community, a community of prayer and a community of deep interest in understanding the the teaching of the church and the word and a super early emphasis on one of the first bible related activities which i created for my own kids were the sunday coloring pages based on the Sunday gospel, (laughs) mostly because (laughs) I could not get my boys to sit still on that. So I thought maybe if they're coloring, something to do with the gospel. And it remains one of the hallmarks of our site. Um, And we followed it up a few years later with our daily gospel reflections. And those are just the first thing that runs on the website every day. It's a very quick reflection, but it relates to The Daily Gospel for the Liturgy of the Word and the Reflectors just basically look at it from their own perspective and offer a brief question to ponder and a prayer to start your day with. And those are really will always be the the heart and soul of Catholic Mom.
0: And I love that, just t- tapping into what we're listening to already on Sunday, because that's kind of an easy entry point, especially for busy moms, and also an easy way to get your kids interested because they're hearing it. They may not be listening, <laughs> but you can always tap into that. And like you said, with coloring pages or storybooks or whatever. Um, yeah, now that that Sunday set of,
1: Sunday gospel activities, is it's really interesting to see how it's flourished because we have puzzles and worksheets and lessons and plans that go along with it. And it's being used literally around the world, downloaded in hundreds of different countries and, you know, passed out in churches and used in family homes. And it's just incredible to see what two two naughty little boys and one desperate mom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there was a day when you were maybe not a naughty little girl, but a little girl. (laughs) And I mean, was Scripture part of your growing up too, or how did you get involved with reading the Bible and interested in it to begin with?
1: Yeah, I'm so blessed. My parents, so I was born in 1963, and my parents moved to California with me as a baby right after I was born. I was six weeks old, and they, they set off for a new home and settled into a wonderful parish that was my childhood parish. And my parents had a really deep faith, and they passed that along to all of us. I'm the eldest of five. Some of my earliest memories relate to our family children's Bible. And my upbringing with the Bible is probably a little different from yours, Sarah. It wasn't necessarily memorizing scripture so much as it was breaking open this children's Bible that I know a lot of my friends who are the same age had and reading those stories. And actually, one tradition in our family, I want to show you, we're on video, but you readers won't be able to see this. But in my children's Bible, I actually have something that's very special. Our family did an annual Christmas play um, on Christmas Eve, based on the story in the in the children's Bible. My dad would read that story to us. And then we would do basically a living nativity. And this is this original script, which is from like the 1960s that lives in the front of that Bible.
0: Oh, and um,
1: I, as the eldest daughter, always got to portray our blessed mother. Oh, of course. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And so I'm going to say our family, so broke open scripture in story. And also every Sunday, my dad had this, we played this game. He would call it mass quiz questions. We had a two-story house and we'd sit at the top of the stairs in that house. And my dad would ask us quiz questions specifically about the readings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can imagine at that point with four kids of different ages, he had to vary the questions and the winner would be the first person to get to the um, top of the steps. We sat at the bottom and he sat at the top and he had this rule that if two people tied, then everyone won and we would all go out for ice cream. (laughs) And uh, somehow it managed every week to be that we all all tied. It was interesting because we knew that that was going to happen and We paid attention in Mass, (laughs) I'm going to say, perhaps (laughs) motivated by ice cream, but it trained me from an early age to listen to what was happening in the Mm -hmm. liturgy of the Word. And I'm very blessed that my childhood pastor growing up, he was an Irish priest, a missionary priest from Ireland, had a deep, deep love for Scripture, and he really instilled that in us both at church, in Mass, and also at our school.
0: You were very fortunate. Yes. So, But your, your upbringing wasn't that different from mine. I mean, my mother and my grandmother both were big storytellers, and we would model different Bible stories. I mean, it wasn't the mass readings. It was the Bible stories, but the same, the same source, the same scripture. And we had something. We didn't get ice cream, but we had the M&M game. <laughs> so we would sit around the table after dinner, and my dad would read us a Bible story, and then he would start asking questions. And if you got an answer right, you got an M&M. So some of us like to keep our pile to the end to show off to the others. This would be me, just that I got more than they did. And my youngest brother just ate them all as they came his way. And <laughs> But it's, it's such a good way to teach kids that the Word of God is sweet. Right, that's a
1: that's a great way of thinking of it. Rather than oh my gosh, they used food as a a reward, which isn't necessarily that healthy for you. But but I do think my parents, even though they didn't, you know, there wasn't like blogging and social media back then, they weren't like tuned into what are other you know what are other families doing. It was just very organic in our life, mm-hmm. and and to me. That was such a great gift because it just instilled in me a hunger, a hunger to know and live my faith that has persisted and been such a gift for me.
0: Well, I'm glad you tell those things because it makes it so approachable. And sometimes as especially as moms of young children, but even if you're not a mom and you just have the demands of work and, you know, you have to get out the door and you're thinking about what needs to be done, it can be really hard to kind of handle that work-life balance and try to make sure that you have time for, you know, extra spiritual things like reading scripture. How do you handle that? How do you put scripture into your life? Well, for me, and this is actually one of the things
1: that I was blessed to write about in our Bible, it's, it's a morning prayer. Mm. And that actually is sort of a non-negotiable in my life. Um, one of the things about my life these days, and it's been this way for probably 10 or 15 years now, is that I'm I'm not in the same place at the same time every day. And it actually, I can say, is partially related to my husband's work. He's an emergency medicine physician, and he works weird hours. So we don't have like, this is what we do every Monday. This is what every week is different. And I also am blessed to travel a lot for my work and the ministry work that I do. And I love that. But one mainstay for me, no matter where I am, is that my morning starts with coffee and with the Word. And even on my best days, that's, you know, luxuriating and really taking some time. But even if I'm very busy, I always, my alarm is set with sufficient time for me to have time to pray over the daily readings, to really ponder what God is saying to me. One one practice that I have in my sort of personal Lectio time is just in my prayer journal, you know, with each of the readings that we read for the day, really pulling one line from scripture and and noting it in my journal. And that kind of becomes my, I'm going to say my marching orders for that day or something that is a touchstone for me that I'm looking back on. It's been really a practice for quite some time. So it's great now to be able to look back at journals from previous years and Reflect on the scriptures that carried me through some really challenging times that I've been Mm. through recently, or scriptures that were present on those great days where happy memories happened.
0: Is there a particular scripture that jumps out at you as being very particularly helpful at some time? That's a good question. You know, I'm going to say I'm not somebody who's like,
1: if you ask me, you know, my favorite scripture verse, I have... A few um, on First Peter 3.15 is always really very important to me, but I, I'm Can really you say very, what that is? Um, always be ready <laughs> to give an answer <laughs> for the reason for hope. But I'm going to say, I don't have a good, I don't have probably your encyclical knowledge of memorized scripture. What I do have is a real taste for the motions of the church year, where we are in mm-hmm. scripture, the cycles of the lectionary, and not as an expert, but really as somebody who's nourished by them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we're praying um, throughout the year, and we just came through this season of Advent or approaching Lent, I'm always reflecting on what is the lectionary giving us and how does that relate to what I'm experiencing in my own life? And so for me, I'm going to say scripture is new and different every day. We have this beautiful course given to us in the mass readings. And even if it feels unrelated to my life, I'm, I'm really in the practice now of what is the one verse for today I'm taking away.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you shared that because I think it can be really intimidating when you hear people either who have memorized a lot of scripture or who know a lot and have their favorite places and can flip back and forth, you know, in the Bible. Not everybody can do that, but that is okay. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about the way we get fed. You know, we get fed food for our bodies and scripture for our, our souls. But, you know, think about how we eat. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't understand all the food that's going into my body or exactly how it's working, but that doesn't mean that I can't be grateful for the food I get every day and put that to use. And I don't have to be an expert.
1: When I was writing the little essay that I did on sustaining morning prayer Mm -hmm. for the Bible, there were two verses that that came out that I tried to weave into my thoughts there. The first was Isaiah 33, 2, which says, be our arm every morning, our salvation Mm. in time of trouble and then there's also a reference to Mark 135, which references Jesus going out to pray. And it says, and in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. Hmm. And I kind of cling to that at the age that I am now. I'm, you know, I'm going to be 60 this year. It's an exciting birthday this year. And so I am very prone to waking up at weird times of the night and being sort of awake. And I used to really struggle with those nighttime wakings and be stressed out about, oh, I'm going to be too tired for tomorrow. And I think I received some really beautiful wisdom from some cloistered nuns that I did some work with who pray, they pray all of the hours. So they're awake, you know, praying at two in the morning in community. And one of them told me, I said, isn't that hard, you know, to get out of your bed and go to the chapel and she said, um, that's the time of night where things are happening where people need prayer. And um, we may be the only person awake and praying for them. That's when, you know, someone is living on the street. That's when someone is being robbed or a crime is Mm -hmm. happening. That's when, you know, there's war and soldiers are alone in the trenches and our prayers lift them up. And so now for me, you know, those middle of the night wakings, I don't always turn to my Bible, I'll say, but I do turn to prayer in those mm-hmm. moments and recognize that I'm awake for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, That's and I beautiful. love getting up early and being with scripture.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. I love that about praying in the middle of the night because I too wake up in the middle of the night and Sometimes I put on an app and listen to scripture or listen to music or whatever, but turning to prayer is always a wonderful thing. And just to think about all the people who need it at that time is helpful. I'm sure you, like me, have a lot of friends and family members who really can't relate to our interest in scripture. You know, maybe they think that it's outdated or backward looking, or, you know, we've kind of grown beyond that. It doesn't have much to say to us today in our lives. But you have really found a pretty profound connection point in scripture that resounds with a lot of people today that's very close to your heart. And that is God's love for creation and our stewardship of it, you know, with this interest in in the environment and so on. And you actually did write a reflection about it for the Women's Bible. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. I
1: shared with you, Sarah, that my my love for scripture and also my love for my faith is very childlike. I'm not a scholar. I would never profess to be a theologian, but I feel my love for God's greatness so profoundly. And one of the places that that's so apparent to me is out in nature. I'm very, very, very blessed to have traveled to many different parts of the world and to have experienced, you know, the majesty of God's creation. I think it's A connection point that a lot of people feel interiorly, even if they're not regularly practicing a particular faith tradition, that there's something about nature that inspires us to the divine, whether or not Mm -hmm. we have a word for it, that nature instills in us a sense of the sacred and respect for the sacred around us. And so I've experienced that, you know, in Africa. I've experienced it in South America, standing at a cl- coffee plantation. I've experienced it in my own backyard and in the, my favorite hiking trail that I walk on several days a week. So I'm very, very blessed to be able to be out in nature and to draw a really close connection to, you know, what the Bible tells us about how we are each called to be um. Keepers of this beautiful mm-hmm. creation. And so, for me, in recent years, I've been really looking at that. What is scripture calling me to through a tradition that was born in the earliest pages of the Bible about living in the earth and caring for it?
0: Mm-hmm. So, the little essay that you wrote for the Bible is paired up with psalm 19 and i wonder if i could just read the first few verses of that because it expresses in beautiful language what you were just saying and this is psalm 19 just read the first half the heavens are telling the glory of god and the firmament proclaims his handiwork day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge There is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes forth like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuits to the end of them, and there is nothing hid from its heat. Really beautiful, isn't it? I wonder you had you're the one who had mentioned that I think to us, and I wonder if you could share a little bit what speaks to you out of that
1: passage. I mean, the, the heavens are telling the glory of God. When I'm out, which is frequent as frequent as frequently <laughs> as I can, I am outside. I'm blessed to live in California where it's easy to be outside, but it's so easy to feel this sense of just awe at what God has placed in the world around us, and to you know, we mark our days by the rising and the setting of the sun. And we can look at a, a few weeks like we've been through in, here in California and see, you know, sometimes the ravages of what happens in the natural world around us and, and understand that there are these forces, yes, explained by science, but also to me, sparked by this magnificent artist who's created the world around us. And one thing that I've noticed that I'm I'm always looking as I know you are, Sarah, at, you know, how can I have conversations about this joy that I feel for the love that God has for me with people who don't necessarily have the words for that or aren't, you know, their bodies aren't in church. It's been really remarkable to me in recent years that especially with people in my life who are away from the church, that being out in nature is a place where you can have those conversations. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like um, you're meeting them in a place where they can connect with their sense of Mm -hmm. awe and majesty. And there's a door that's open that maybe sometimes isn't always open, in the church that we go to. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying here, don't go to church, that please don't misunderstand me. I'm saying sometimes when we venture out into places where God's majesty is so on display, it can be a meeting ground for important conversations.
0: Nice. So I, as you speak, I think about St. Francis of Assisi, and that wonderful Canticle of the Sun that he wrote, you know, that really captures the way creation mirrors God. And I know you wrote a children's book that reflected upon that, about treasuring the natural world. And I wonder if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's actually just getting ready
1: to launch. I'm not sure when this podcast will air, but the official launch date for the book is February 7th. And to tell you the truth, Sarah, I'm terrified every time I have a new book come out. I'm I'm terrified and this book is really terrifying for me because it's it's a children's book. It's my first book in rhyming prose Mm -hmm. and it's very personal. The image that sparked it was a beautiful photo that one of my friends, who's not Catholic, posted on Facebook. And he specifically tagged me when he posted it and said, you know, ask this question that was led to a pretty profound conversation. And that became the heart of what's at this book that's called I Am Earth's Keeper. And I think that it's been a really wonderful journey to create this book. People might pick up a children's book and think, oh, this is short. It probably, you know, it happens probably pretty quickly. It's about a year to put together a children's book because mm-hmm. you're working with an illustrator and seeing it all come together is very magical. But it's given me really time to delve into this idea that God calls us not just to live in our world, but to tend to it. And mm-hmm. we mentioned in that essay in the Bible in the first chapter of Genesis, verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was good. But then he goes on in the second chapter, two fifteen, 15, to say the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till and keep it. Mm-hmm. So from the earliest pages of scripture, man placed in the garden, placed within God's creation, you know, perhaps not in a literal sense, but definitely in a symbolic sense you know, is to me a very clear call that we aren't just meant to live in this place, but we have a responsibility to care for those who inhabit the earth with us, both in natural creation, God's animals and you know, plants, but also to care for one another by caring for mm-hmm. the world around us.
0: Well, I thank you for sending me a little sneak peek of the book because, <laughs> Lisa, it is beautiful. And I don't know where you found that illustrator, but it just so perfectly brings to life what you're doing in the poetry. And, you know, congratulations. I cannot wait to get this book <laughs> for my own grandchildren. But I would you mind if I, I read just from one page of it? Absolutely. That this would be is delightful. This is just from the very end. And you say, when we limit our footprint, we help our earth thrive. Let's plant and sustain so we'll keep her alive. Each morning, the artist sets out to create. Walk with care, love and cherish. Your journey awaits. And I love that. I mean, just this thought, the way that you have linked together here, the fact that God creates and loves his creation and he gives it to us and we're journeying through it and we have this responsibility to care for it. It just comes out so naturally here and I hope this just inspires a whole generation of children.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. You're one of the very earliest people to see it. So your uh, <laughs> your <laughs> kindness is very meaningful <laughs> to me. And I will say we wanted this to be an experience that children would share with their parents and their caregivers. And so mm. I, I really hope that it can follow on the heels of, you mentioned St. Francis's Canticle. He it, It's interesting because he talks about you know he he capitalizes um the characters in the canticle brother moon and and brother, son, and sister Moon. And the dignity with which he instills natural creation is something that I was really hoping for in this. And so it'll be fun to see what happens with it. (laughs) Please pray for me. I I know, Sarah, you've (laughs) launched books too, and you launched a whole Bible that there's this, um, this very sort of like putting yourself out there feeling that happens when we write. And the more terrified I am, the more I have to lean into God's God's will for a project. So we'll see.
0: But well, I'm very convicted
1: about the message.
0: The nice thing about the children's book is you can do readings, I'm sure. I know yes. you do readings. And I think that the kind of sing-song nature of the poetry will draw people in as well as the pictures. And then hopefully they go out into nature and... And see God's beautiful canvas that he's painted all this on. And I think today there's such this huge emphasis on, you know, taking care of the environment and reducing our footprint and all that kind of thing. And we look at nature and we keep it beautiful, but then there's a tendency to make that nature our God. And the Christian view is, no, God created all this. Let's give thanks for it and let's take care of it carefully because it's a good thing that he created and that he entrusted to us. Pope Benedict
1: XVI, we love him so much, you know, wrote about it, um, wrote about, everyone thinks of Pope Francis with um, care for creation, but mm-hmm. Pope Benedict XVI wrote about it in Caritas in Varitae, var, uh, my Latin is absolutely terrible, Veritate, charity and truth. Uh-huh. He He said, our duties toward the environment are linked to our duties toward the human person. Considered in himself and in relation to others, it would be wrong to uphold one set of duties while trampling on the other. Mm -hmm. He does what we've heard Pope Francis do too, which is to link, you know, this desire that we have to care for the natural world to our responsibility to live the gospel call to love one another. Mm -hmm. And that it's a natural outcome of the love that we want to feel for our brethren and sisters around us, that we would care for our common home, but also that we would consume less so that we can be more generous to others.
0: Before we go, I would love to pray with you and with everybody who's listening. And I'd like to use a prayer. It's a prayer that we get at Mass sometimes as the responsorial psalm, even though it's not actually a psalm. It's the song of the three Jews in the fiery furnace from the story in in Daniel chapter 3. And I love the way it kind of joins us together with all the earth. It sort of puts us all on the same stage all of us created by God and not only people, but creation just bursting out in praise and glory to the one who made us. And so if you're listening, you know, maybe close your eyes and enter into these praises. The actual song in Daniel three is quite long, so I'm gonna only read some of the verses, but I wonder, Lisa, if you would read the response, use the words that we use at mass, which are a little bit shorter than what we have in our Bible, but, and they're also familiar to praise and exalt him above all forever. So why don't we pray together now? Come Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to receive your word and help us to proclaim your praise. Let the earth bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Mountains and hills bless the Lord.
1: Praise and exalt Him above all forever.
0: Seas and rivers bless the Lord. Praise and exalt Him above all forever. All you birds of the air
1: bless the Lord. Praise and exalt Him above all forever.
0: All you beasts, wild and tame, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt Him above all forever. All you mortals, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Holy and humble of heart, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Give thanks to the Lord who is good, whose mercy endures forever. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the world around us. And I pray that you'll help us to always see your hand in it and to be good stewards of your gift and to join it in the praise that all creation naturally gives to you just by virtue of being what you created it to be. Thank you also for your word and for the life and strength it brings. Give us the grace that we need to love and live it in our daily lives. Through Christ, the living word. Amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Word. Pray for us. And St. Francis of Assisi. Pray for us. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. It's been wonderful chatting with you today. And I wonder if before we go, you can just let us know where can we reach you to find out more about your books and your ministry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can always find me at lisa.hendy.com, which is sort of my home um, stomping grounds and on social media at Lisa Hendi. My last name is spelled H-E-N-D-E-Y. Our books are always available at your local Catholic bookstore. If they don't have it, ask them to order it. That's our frontline missionary ground, so we need to support them. You can also find them at my different publisher sites and on Amazon. And I do invite everybody, whether you're a mom or not, to please come join us at catholicmom.com to pray the Word every day of the week.
0: Amen. This is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been Living the Word Bible Podcast. Join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. And you can also please join us on our Instagram community at livingthewordbible. And God bless you today as you live the Word.